Well, uh, as Dan said before, we are beginning uh, the season of Advent here at Trinity as we prepare to celebrate Christmas. But before we start the message, I'd invite you to bow your heads and pray together with me. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on uh, what your word has to say to us, the promises that you've made to us. Lord, I pray that that would all be acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed the God that came as a baby at Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago and who is going to come again in glory to rescue us. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is the season of Advent, and Advent actually means something. It means arrival. And, uh, and so when we talk about Advent, we're talking about the arrival of Jesus. And actually, in Advent, we talk about the fact that we're really trying to look two different ways at the same time. In one sense, we are looking backwards in time. We're looking back to how Jesus came over 2,000 years ago and what it meant for him to leave heaven and become a human being just like us. And uh, kind of ironically, the longer we go in Advent, the more we look back at that as we get ready for Christmas. But the other way we look during Advent is we look forward. Uh, we watch for Jesus to come again. And it's traditional that the first week in Advent, we focus on that. In fact, of our four Advent words that we're going to be studying, these traditional words, one for each week in Advent, the first week, the first word is watch. So what does it mean that we as Christians, that we as followers of Jesus, are always watching? We're always looking forward to that moment when Jesus will come again. Why do we do that? And what does that mean for our lives? We're going to talk about that right now. And, uh, and to do that, I want to use actually one of my favorite stories from the Christmas story. It may be one you're not as familiar with because it happens actually eight days after Jesus was born. We, we read about it in Luke chapter 2, but we, it's later in that chapter. In Luke 2 verse 25, we read about this guy named Simeon. And, uh, and I want to tell you Simeon's story a little bit because Simeon was a watcher. He was watching. He was watching for something. So it starts in verse 25. It says, at that time, uh, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. And by the way, that time is right about the time of Jesus' birth. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, two things about that. First of all, he was watching. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. What does that mean? Well, well, the word Messiah means anointed one. In other words, it, he was waiting for the one, the person that God had chosen to redeem his people, to rescue his people. Now, another thing you need to understand about Simeon is Simeon's brain worked differently than ours does. He thought about life differently than we do. You see, we tend to look at life first about how it affects us, and second, how it affects the community. But Simeon and the people of Jesus' day were the opposite. They looked at life first on how it affected the community, and only secondarily did they look at how it affected them as individuals. So, so something could happen that would affect them as an individual, and it wasn't as big a deal as if something was happening that was affecting the whole community. We're, we're, we're kind of the opposite, right? We care about the community, but my first question is always, how is this going to affect me, right? So, so for Simeon, this idea that God's people, the people of Israel, needed to be rescued was a big deal in his life. It was huge. Simeon and, and all the other Israelites were asking the question, has God abandoned us? Did God forget about us? Does God not care about us anymore? See, they were God's chosen people, but they had, they had strayed from God's path for them. 
They, they had messed up their relationship with God. And there was a very real fear in their lives that God didn't care about them anymore. But Simeon had been given a promise. And in, in verse 26, it goes on to say this, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. In other words, the Holy Spirit, we're not sure how this happened, whether it was a vision or a dream or whether he heard God's voice or whether it's just something that he kind of instinctively knew was from God. But, but, but God had assured him that no, he had not forgotten about his people, that he still was going to send this anointed one, this Messiah, to rescue God's people. And in fact, he had promised Simeon, you're going to see it happen. You're going to be an eyewitness to that event. And that was an amazing promise for Simeon. Now, again, let me set the scene. It's, it's eight days after Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. And that morning, Simeon gets up, and he had no idea at first anyway that this was going to be the day that changed his whole life. But we're told this in verse 27, that that day the Spirit led him to the temple. And we don't, again, know what that looked like. Did, did he just kind of go for a walk and all of a sudden he ended up at the temple? He's like, whoa, how did I get here? I wasn't really paying attention. Or did God's Spirit speak to him and say, I need you in the temple today, Simeon. You need to get there. Or, or was it just kind of this urge where he knew he had to be there? But, but however the Holy Spirit was speaking to him and working through him, Simeon was in tune enough with that Spirit that he was ready for that message. And he knew he needed to be at the temple that day. Now, I want you to think about Simeon for a minute because, see, the tendency in this story is to see him as some kind of weird special guy that just hung out at the temple all the time. But he was just a normal guy like you and me. He had a job. We think he was actually one of the paid priests there in the temple area. He, uh, he had family. He had friends. He had a community he was a part of. He had stuff to do. He had the same worries and cares that you and I have. He probably got sick and got colds just like we do. He, he, uh, he worried about his grandkids just like uh, those of us that have grandkids do, you know. And, 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 and so he, he was just kind of a normal guy except for one thing. Every day he was kind of looking and waiting to see this promise that God had made to him fulfilled. And finally that day came. He's there at the temple like the Holy Spirit had urged. And uh, verse 27 into 28, we're told this. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. You see, there was a tradition in Jesus' day that if you were close enough to Jerusalem, when you had a, a, a firstborn child, you were supposed to go to the temple on the, their eighth day. And there in the temple, you were supposed to present that child to the Lord. Now, for people that lived up in Nazareth where Jesus' family was originally from, that really wasn't practical because it was a long way to the temple. But Mary and Joseph aren't in Nazareth, remember? Because of the census, they're actually in Bethlehem when Jesus is born, which is about five miles from the temple. And, uh, and so they hopped in their car and it was a quick 20-minute drive. No, that's, that's not right. But, but it, it, it was only maybe an hour and a half walk. And so they got up that, that eighth day and they said, That's, this is it, we're going to the temple, we can do this. And they show up at the temple with Jesus and Simeon is there waiting for him. And, uh, and we're told about this moment where Simeon realizes that that baby is the Messiah. That baby is the fulfillment of God's promise. 
Now, we don't know exactly how he knew that. We don't know, again, exactly how that played out. I kind of picture in my mind him seeing Mary and Joseph and Jesus and just knowing instantly that there's something different about them. And he walks up and he asks, what's the baby's name? And they say, it's Jesus. And you know what Jesus means? It means he saves. And in that moment, Simeon knows that the thing he's been watching for and waiting for has finally happened. He, uh, he, just, he just bursts into this ascription of praise to God. Look at what he says. He, he looks up at the heavens and he, and he raises the child in his arms and he praises God. He calls God sovereign Lord. In other words, the God who's in control of everything. He goes, God, you're in control of everything. You've orchestrated this moment. You've made this happen. Sovereign Lord, now I can, I can go in peace. I can die tomorrow if you want me, Lord. Because I know that you have not abandoned your people. I know that you've done what you promised. He says, sir, let your servant die in peace if you promised. I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared. And there he says something that's really kind of amazing. He says, not just for the children of Israel. He says, this is a promise, he realizes, for all people. A promise for all people. A light to shine in the darkness of our lives, he says. He's a light to reveal God to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. It's an amazing story. But what does that story mean for us? What can we learn from that story as we sit here in the beginning of Advent 2017 and, uh, and we're talking about what it means to be people who watch? Well, first of all, one thing you need to know beyond a doubt is that God has made you a promise too. Just, just like he made to Simeon, God has made you a promise. And the promise that God has made to you is that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what burden it is you bear, no matter what brokenness there is in your life, God is going to come again. That baby Jesus that came 2,000 years ago and died on a cross for your sins and rose again to conquer sin and death, that God is going to come again. We just finished this series called This Is Us, and we were looking at all these stories from the book of Acts. But one story we skipped over right at the beginning is uh, Jesus has, has risen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples, and now he gathers them outside the city. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, we're told that he ascends into heaven. And the disciples, they're just kind of standing there like this. I mean, they are. They're like, what just happened? Where did Jesus go? What, what's that about? And we're told these angels appear next to them, and they go, men of Israel, why are you standing there staring up into the sky? And then they say this, they make this promise, they say, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And uh, later, one of those disciples, a guy named John, would write the book of Revelation, and in it he would talk about how that promise was for all of us. That that promise that Jesus is going to come again is for all of us. He said this, he who is the faithful witness, he's talking about Jesus, to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then you can almost hear the hope in John's voice as he adds these words, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, back to, back to Simeon for a minute. What did the fulfillment of that promise mean to him? In that moment, when he's holding the baby in his arms, what did that mean to him? Well, what it meant to him was freedom. It meant in that moment, he had set, been set free 
from everything that worried him, that, that, that all that he struggled with from his doubts, from his fears, the coming of Jesus meant that that was all fixed by God. And folks, it means the same thing for you and for me. A good friend of mine, uh, three years ago, lost his son on Thanksgiving morning. They, they found him dead in the house. He had overdosed on drugs, and they're pretty sure he did it on purpose. I can't imagine grief more crushing than that. And he, he says as he looks back on it now, he was so overwhelmed with that sense of loss and brokenness and grief that, that he wasn't living day to day. He was literally trying to live hour to hour, just trying to get through another hour, just another hour. The holidays were just kind of a blur for him that year as they went from Thanksgiving through Advent into Christmas into New Year's. And, 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 and honestly, it just kind of all happened around him. And, and he says he hardly remembers it all. He was just so crushed by that loss. I talked to him not that long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, and he says it's gotten easier. He says there, there still isn't a day that goes by that he doesn't think about his son, and, and he doesn't get that empty feeling in the pit of his stomach. It's just deep, so, but it's not all the time. There, there, are, there are days where he can go through most of the day and, and, and just be normal, but he says, even on those days, it's like there's this little whisper in the back of his head always reminding him of that loss, always reminding him of that brokenness, always reminding him. And he said at the holidays, that voice gets louder, louder and it just gets harder. Now, maybe you can relate. Maybe you've had a loss like that in your life, or maybe it's not that kind of loss. Maybe for you, that little voice that's always there is a regret of something that you did in the past, a, a, something that you know that you did that, that just is different than God's plan for your life, and, and you're in a different place in your life because of that thing that you did. Or, or, or maybe it's nothing that you did at all. It's something that was done to you by someone you love or, or, or a job that you lost or, or a diagnosis from the doctor or, or whatever it is. Maybe you've got that little voice, and, and we try to stuff it back, we try to pretend it isn't there, but there's probably not a day that goes by that there isn't that moment where you get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, and you just feel trapped like there's no way out. Well, look at what the second coming of Jesus means. It means this, God himself will be with them. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. We just sang it. When Jesus comes again, folks, God is going to be with us. And look at what it says he's going to do. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are going to be gone forever. Now, as, as dark and as broken as my friend's son's life was, he still trusted in Jesus. And my friend knows beyond a doubt that when Jesus comes again, his son is going to be with him. And he's going to see him again, and they're going to be reunited, and there isn't going to be any more sorrow or pain. There isn't going to be that little voice in the back of his head just, just trying to bring that grief crashing back into his life. It's going to be gone. And that's true for you and for me too. Folks, the promise that God has made to us is Jesus has not abandoned us. He is with us in our brokenness and in our struggle. And one day he's going to come again and that brokenness, whatever it is that stops you from living the full life that God has planned for you, it's going to be gone. That's his promise. Isn't that amazing? 
That's a promise worth watching out for, isn't it? And one last time, uh, back, to, back to Simeon. So, do you think that there were days, and not every day, but do you think there were days when Simeon went through a whole day and didn't think about that promise from God even once? You know, a, a day where he just got up in the morning and had to get right to work, and, and it was a busy day, and problems he didn't anticipate, and he just went from thing to thing to thing to thing, and, and, and he put his head on the pillow, exhausted that night, and, and didn't even realize that he had spent the whole day not watching for that Messiah that God had promised. I, I don't know. Maybe there were days like that for him. Maybe, maybe not. But I know there are days like that for me, Right? I know that there are days where my calendar is so packed, I'm just going from thing to thing, and I am not watching for Jesus to come again. I am not looking forward to that day with anticipation. And, uh, you know, I got things to scratch off my task list, and I got places I got to be, and uh, my day starts early and ends late sometimes. And, and I guarantee you that there are whole days when I forget to watch to watch for Jesus to come again, to remember the promise that God has made to me that he loves me, and he's got a plan for me, and he's going to come rescue me. And guess what? It gets even harder during the holidays, doesn't it? Because there are presents to buy and get wrapped, and, uh, and there are cookies to be made, and meals to be planned, and decorations to put up. How many of you are going to try to put your tree up today or something like that, right? There, there's stuff to do, and uh, there's holiday parties to go to, whether you want to go to them or not, right? And, and if anything, at the one time a year where maybe we should be watching even more for the next coming of Jesus, we're distracted even more and we watch even less. And so here's my challenge to you this Advent season. We got four weekends till Christmas, folks. Here's my challenge to you. Every day, find a minute where you can take your eyes off your everyday life and Watch. And look up and remember that Jesus is coming again. Now, here, here's just some really practical ways to do that. Oh, one of them is, uh, Dan, let's see how they do. All right, let's see how you got them trained. All right, ready? What's this? Good job. Way to go, right? We have these taken-homes that we put out there for you. Well, during Advent, there's something special about them. They have five daily devotions every week for you to use to help you watch, to help you in the midst of the hectic pace of your daily life in this holiday season, take a minute to step back and focus on God's promises for you. There's five devotions in here. You get Saturday off, and we know you're going to be here on Sunday anyway, so... Uh, so there are five ways for you in a week to step back and to watch. And, and by the way, if you want these electronically, you can do that on our website. You can sign up to get them emailed to you all the time, not just during Advent. But maybe that's not for you. Maybe you'd rather try something different. Um, maybe you remember last summer, we encouraged you to get this, this Bible app, right, on your phone and, and use it to read the Bible regularly. Well, this week, just to see, I went and I looked and I went to the reading plans and I put in the word Advent in the search and there were like 60 different reading plans for Advent. You know, whether it's just leading you through uh, the, the, the Christmas story in Matthew and in Luke or reading you th through some of the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled when he came. It, there, there's lots of different ways. Uh, so pick one of those and just spend a little bit of time in God's word every day and that will help you take your, take your eyes off your struggles and watch for Jesus to come again. Or, or maybe you're not much of a reader. You'd some, like something a little more visual. How about an Advent wreath? 
An Advent wreath is pretty simple. It's just four candles. doesn't really matter what color they are, although if you want to be traditional, find some purple or blue ones and throw one pink one in there for week three. That's the Rejoice Week. And, uh, and, and just this first week, light one candle. Maybe do that every morning as you sit and have your breakfast and your prayer time. Or, or, or maybe light the candle during dinner every night. And then next week, light two candles. And keep doing that as just a way of reminding you that that celebration of Jesus' birth is coming in with it to take a moment to sit back and watch. Or maybe you like to read even more than that and you want to do something a little more intense. This is what I'm using this year. I'm using this book I got by Max Lucado called In the Manger. And it's 25 uh, little longer readings that focus on a different aspect of what it means that Jesus came once at Bethlehem and he's going to come again in glory. But it doesn't really matter what you use. This Advent takes some time to step back from the pressures of life to give your brokenness to God and to, with hope, think about the fact that Jesus is coming again. Uh, did any of you go see the eclipse this year? Any of you? Yeah, I see some hands. My son did. He's a, he's a student at the University of Illinois right now, and uh, so he was a little closer. It was a little easier for him to get there. So he got up early that morning of the eclipse, and he drove down to Carbondale and uh, got there just in time, and they saw the eclipse, and then he spent like 12 hours in the car fighting traffic trying to get back home, right? But I asked him, I said, was it worth it? He's like, yeah, it was. It was cool. You know, I think it's kind of neat that, that on that one day, just millions of people just dropped everything else going on in their lives and spent some time staring at the sky and seeing this amazing thing that God had done. Wouldn't it be cool if we did that every day? I mean, you know, not 12 hours in traffic and all that kind of stuff. But, but, if, but if every day we just took a minute to remember that we belong to God, that, that he loves us, that, that he sent his son Jesus for us, and that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. And that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day to conquer sin and death for us. And, and yeah, we live in a dark world and, and messed up things happen. And there is brokenness and pain and guilt and grief in our lives. But, but those are only temporary. Because Jesus is going to come again. And everything that gives us sorrow or pain or struggle is going to be gone. That's what we're watching for. That's what we're waiting for. And we live in that hope every day. Let's pray about that together. Lord, thank you for the gift of your love in Jesus. And uh, thank you that, that he left the joys of heaven uh, to come be one of us, to be a baby born at Bethlehem, and then to be a, a person that was hung on a criminal's cross to pay the price for our sins, and then to rise from the dead to forever conquer death and anything else that would seek to, to, to pull the joy and the hope and the life out of us. But Lord, I want to admit to you today that all too often I forget about that. I mean, I, I know it's there. I know you love me. I know I've got your promises. But I, I can go through a, a whole day without even thinking about the fact that you've promised you're going to come again. And uh, that you are going to wipe away every tear and there's going to be no more sorrow and no more pain, no more struggles, no more darkness, only light and joy and life in you. Lord, thank you for that gift. And uh, Lord, I pray that this Advent, we would each take a few minutes every day to watch 
and to wait and to trust that you're going to come again.